Hello, how you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. How the devil are you? I've been saying that now for a hundred episodes. Can you believe it? This is episode 100 of the Two Shot Podcast. And, uh, God, you know, I tried to record this intro yesterday and it took me about 45 minutes and it still wasn't right because I like to always try and just do it in one take. Um, But I was overwhelmed. I couldn't get my words out, which friends of mine who really know me will uh, be laughing because usually they can never shut me up. And... I'm here, I'm in Manchester, which is very apt to record this intro because over two years ago, that's where I first met Griff and we met in the Britain's Protection pub in Manchester and we sat down, it was the first time we'd met and we spoke about what we wanted the podcast to be, or rather more importantly, what we didn't want the podcast to be. And since then, it's grown and it's morphed into what it is now. And a large part of that is down to you, the listening community. So we wanted to send our love and thanks to each and every one of you who's downloaded, who's subscribed, who sent us a message, who has told a friend, who's dropped us an email, or who's become a Patreon member and supported us in whatever way that they can. Huge, huge love to you all, because this podcast would not be where it's at without you. So thank you so much. Now, we we genuinely so grateful, well, genuinely so grateful that anybody even listens, let alone anything else, but the people who support us on Patreon um, is just a beautiful thing. Whether you're chipping in a quid a month, two quid a month, every little really does help, so thank you so much. I'm not asking for anything. I mean, you can go to patreon.com if you want, that's fine. But there's a few people who we like to call the patron super backers who go above and beyond and get your ears ready because I wanted to do a nice shout out to the very lovely Andy Nyman, Dancia King, Daniel Farday, Dave Fink, Dion Brown, Ella Murphy, Emma Hobson, Erica Mackay, Fiona Fisher, Georgina Tripp, Heather Weir, James Bordley, Joe Freeman, Big John Griffin, Karen Burns, Kaylee McCants, Leila Levi, Leila Levi, Leila Levi, Leila Levi. Either way, thank you so much. Louise Clark, Mo Machati, Nancy Keating, Nev Pierce, Nirvana Davidson, top name Nirvana, thank you. Ray Holman, Big Richard Catmore, Samantha Knight, Sarah Diamond, Sarah Jane Hargrave, Sarah Renee, Shaheen Baig, Sol Talby, Suzanne Wilson, Terry Blackburn, nearly lost it there. <gasps> Helen Zachariason, and where's my notes? Eileen, Eileen, Eileen Collins. Thank you to all of you for going above and beyond and supporting the way that you do, because without each and every one of you, honestly, I don't know what we'd do. Now, speaking of love and support, it was International Podcast Day at the beginning of this week, and it's funny, since we dip the toe in the podcast world. There's just an outpouring of love and support and encouragement that goes both ways from all the podcasters. But there's been a few that uh, 
we not only do we love as podcasters, but um, they've been uh, giving us words of encouragement and support on social media. So I wanted to shout out Elizabeth Day, thank you, the WTAF boys, Scroobius Pip, Stu Whiffin, the Pod Bible, I've got a stutter, Pod Bible fellas, Skip to the End and the Cinemile. Not only are they great podcasts, but they're great supporters. And um, yeah, the, the encouragement that they've given us since day one um, is so grateful. And it's a lovely, lovely community to be in if you ever want to start a podcast just do it and there'll be lots of people there to support you and um give you words of encouragement all along the way now i know this is very long but it is episode 100 we are going to get to this episode very very shortly bear with but don't fast forward because right now we've had some lovely lovely episode 100 messages from a few people who i think you might know Hi guys, it's uh, it's Connor Swindells. I just wanted to say a massive congratulations on getting to 100 episodes of the Two Shot Podcast. I'm so honoured and thankful that you allowed me to be a part of that. And I'm so grateful for the conversation that we had, Craig. It was honestly such a helpful experience for, for myself, um, speaking selfishly. Uh, but it's such a relevant thing that you guys do. And I know that it's so helpful to so many other people to hear the conversations that you have with artists and, you know, all, all people from all different walks of life so here's to 100 more um congratulations guys again honestly that's amazing hey craig it's chris hawkins from six music congratulations on reaching the big one double zero i think this is the first series you've done for ages where you haven't been killed off so it must be good hello i'm amanda ubbington um for those of you who don't know who i am i'm an actor i, I do the acting um and i'm just making this little message to all of you to say how wonderful the two shot podcast is i was very fortunate enough to be invited on a couple of years ago by my delectable friend craig parkinson and it's one of the most uh interesting and enjoyable things i've ever done um craig is a master at getting things out of people and talking and um it was thoroughly enjoyable and it's the 100th episode celebration so i'm telling you all lovely listeners if you haven't listened to the two shot podcast please get on it it has some wonderful talented inspiring amazing people on it and me um and it's and it's organized by craig parkinson who's my mate um but happy 100 episode two shot podcast may there be many 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 more craig this is andy nyman and i just want to say mazel tov on 100 episodes of your superb two shot podcast i absolutely adore it i always listen to it it offers such great comfort support and insight bless you for doing it mate and here's to the next hundred. All right, Craig, how the devil are you? Carl Pilkington here. Well done, hundred shows. It's not bad, is it? Um, thanks for having me on. Something that I meant to ask you when, uh, you know, when we did it was that music track you've got by Then Thickens. What is it they sing? It drives me mad. Every time I listen to your show, 
you have that like I don't I'd like to know what it says so um, yeah that's it well done see ya now then it is TV's own Joseph Gilgan just saying uh, congratulations I forgot what I was doing for a brief minute there I'm stoned uh, congratulations to the boys Craig and uh, and Tom for a uh, hundred a hundred podcasts or episodes or whatever the fuck you call them. Listening to the soft tones of Thomas Turgus, very very good friend of Craig Parkinson and a huge fan of the Two Shot podcast. Um, now I know it's the hundredth episode, which is a great milestone for such a, a wonderful um, podcast. Um, one that inspired me myself to. Uh, host my own podcast and yeah I mean the, the, the thing that makes it great is Craig um, and Griff they work tirelessly um, and Craig's just such a good listener um, and which is why it's got such a deservedly big fan base um, yeah Hello it's Maya Sonder here and I just wanted to say congratulations for your 100th episode what an amazing achievement and it just keeps getting better and better and I'm still listening um good luck and please please keep going Hello this is Kevin Bishop wishing Craig and Griff a massive massive congratulatory slap on the back for reaching 100 episodes of the two shot podcast it's my favourite podcast because I get to hear friends I've known for years and years and people that I just think are brilliant and I get to hear an honest account of how this industry makes them feel and how they've used their experience to get through it. It's a really useful tool for anybody who wants to pick up inside info and really get some truth about what this business is about. Because it isn't easy. A lot of people think it is. It's hard work. And I think that that's reflected in every single episode of Two Shot Pod. So congratulations, lads. You are the best. And Craig, I'll be looking forward to hearing your dulcet tones in another 200 episodes of the Two Shot Podcast. Sit back, strap yourselves in, and enjoy the ride. Hey, Two Shot Podcast. Hey, Craig. Hey, producer Griff. Sanjeev Baskar here. Privileged to have been one of those 100 shows. And thank you for continuing to make a program that is inspiring, that makes me laugh, that makes me cry, that makes me rethink, that makes me reconsider, but ultimately leaves me with the most positive experience that I can carry forward. Thanks for that. Here's to the next 100 Get the kettle on. Hi, my name's Steve Everts. I'd like to wish the Two Shot Podcast a happy 100th episode. And a special thanks to Craig Parkinson and his producer Griff for all the amazing work you've done. Truly a voice in the wilderness. Keep it up, lads. Fantastic stuff. Hello, I'm the stuttering, mumbling uh, Tony Pitts. From episode 17 uh, of Craig uh, and Griff's fantastic two-shot podcast, um, I remember very clearly uh, Craig telling me about the idea and uh, the early stages of it, and um, 
it's grown into something that uh, you should both be immensely proud of. Uh, there's an authenticity and an ease uh, and an honesty uh, that I don't think you come across. Uh, and that's down entirely to um, their talent and hard work. So congratulations, boys. And a massive thank you to all our guests, everybody that's given their time to come on and shared their stories and been so open and honest with me. Um, I know it's helped so many people because the messages that we get and the emails that we get saying how much it's helped them during their time, they weren't having a particularly good time, and they listened to this story and they thought, you know, I'm really grateful to hear that because I know that I'm not kind of on my own at that point. And, um, you know, I get the message saying it's done wonders for you. This podcast has done wonders for me. Um, You know, so many things. I tell you, if if I could tell you what this podcast has done for me, this will be a very, very long intro. So we're not going to do that. What we are going to do is we're going to talk about episode 100 with Martin Comston. Now, it seems only right to have Martin on for episode one because remember where we started? We started episode one with the very wonderful Vicky McClaw. And I remember when we were driving to Manchester and uh, I had never done a podcast before, even though Vicky was one of my best friends, I was still feeling slightly nervous. I I didn't really know how it was going to go. I had lots of notes with me about where I wanted it to go. And that was when it was what it was at episode one. What it's become now is something completely different, but I'm always so grateful for Vicky because we had a really good natter. And how often do you sit down with one of your pals and make it all about them for an hour and a bit? It just doesn't happen, so I'm really grateful for that. Um, speaking of Vicky, here she is. She sent us a very lovely message. Happy 100 episode to Two Shot Podcast. Congratulations, guys. It's brilliant. It is the best podcast. There you go. I've said it. And I'm really, really privileged to have been the first guest. So have a great time celebrating. Loads of love. 29. Okay, that's it. Enough of me wanging on. I know, I know. Sorry. But it's episode 100. I had to do a lot of thanks to people. Now, a while ago, I sat down with Mr. Martin Comston in Manchester. We cracked open a bottle of red, had a couple of glasses of wine, and we got down to it. This is episode 100 of the Two Shot Podcast with the most stylish man in Scotland. True story. Mr. Martin Comston. Enjoy. I shall see you at the end. There we go, we're going. We are. this off, we're off. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> it's a long time coming, isn't it? Massive long time coming. So I was going to say that, mate, like, Jesus. Just before we start, you've got to slow down. You've got to remember, I... the first time that we met, right. all those years ago, you come back from tea in the park, yeah. and you just spoke at me, and I went, mate, you're going to have to put some subtitles you underneath. They have no idea. You were to get an end at me at tea in the park, man. I was true. wasted after that. Um, and we had to go I'm dancing. still a bit embarrassed with that, actually. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> it was a very privileged position, that, like, being... Getting, getting that job, because, I mean, it is the worst dance-off in film history between you and myself. Which gets noted on social media quite a lot, of not I mean, it is shocking. It is shocking. But I, I remember, so I'd, I'd, I'd got the part, and then, so I was asked to come in and do some chemistry reads. 
which was useless because I was like a fucking zombie after doing the park because I'd been caning it for four days and then it was you and the lovely Felicity Jones and Alfie and all that kind of thing. You know what? It was a good wee job actually. I loved that. And I mean, I mean, how many? How many have we done now? Oh, six. It's got to be six. I mean, we've done. Not that the podcast is about jobs, but I think no. because mean because why I wanted you for episode one hundred is because because you're one of my closest friends yeah. like in real life, yeah. and I think you are the closest friend I've had on the podcast. I haven't had like loads oh, of really good me. mates on. Well, and I thought if we're going to do it, we might as well do episode. Well, no, it's well, it's good as well because I mean, Jesus, how long ago was it? Like with a, one of our late night FaceTime calls with Phil Albert over the stage, and he says, "I've got this idea for a podcast." Yeah, no, that was over. <laughs> yeah. t- that was uh, over two years ago. And he says, "You're getting our Vic on," and yeah. um, but I mate, go for it. And then here they are, fucking podcast award winner and a hundred eps in. But no, you know, I love it. And see, I'm actually quite. I'm not like it's my, cause it, it, this job I'm on at the minute. It's been a right joy in some ways because we're in Manchester, and you've been here. Greg McHugh's been here. Our other pal Kieran Hawke's been here, and it's been great having a lot of my close pals who I haven't been able to spend that amount of time with, like, you know, because we're always all over the place. Yeah. But we've been in each other's pockets for the last month or so. So it's been great. So me and you have had, obviously, a few nights hit. Yeah. Um, the proper catch-ups. But it's, I'm, I'm nervous about this because I love the podcast and you've had some, there's been some brilliant ones of people who I'm a fan of and you kind of get into some of these insights and you go, fucking hell, that really makes sense. And then yeah, I'm always asking things like, is this where I get thrown out? <laughs> you know what I mean? like, well, is, this, is this the time where he goes, he's got no fucking clue what he's talking about? But everybody always thinks they're going to get found out all yeah. the time. I, was t- I went down in the lift before where we are. Basically, we're just... Where are we now? We're, in, uh, we're not far from Salford, are we? We're no, we're near Manchester Cathedral. Yeah. yeah. And I went down in the lift before and I bumped into a director who's directing the bay at the moment yeah. with Morven and Dan Ryan. I was, I was just in the left with the writer of Cold Feet. There you go. Yeah, Everybody's yeah. staying in there. Yeah. And he was telling me, and he was ill yesterday, and he said, our oh, production have sent me loads of water and crisps for some yeah. reason. Yeah. And he said, oh, I just always think I'm going to get found out as a yeah. director. I think people are going to tap me on the shoulder and go, uh, this is not for you. It's not yeah, for you. Get yeah, man. I mean... But it's funny, isn't it? Because what's even, good about it, I think, at times, is it keeps you on your toes... Um, we don't get complacent no, do you? Or, you, or you try thing. not to I think that's the biggest thing I mean a lot of the time I think I've been lucky over the years I've done a load of jobs and I've kept going but I'm still trying to get back to the boy I was in sweet 16 over 15 years ago because I didn't give a fuck about camera angles or anything I just got that bit of script in front of me day Loach put you on there and that's all you cared about you didn't you, and Mark's obviously you, you had to go to a stage where you had to learn your craft and you got to conserve energy and all that but you just went in fearless news whereas at times now you can sort of prioritise going well it's going to be an easy day tomorrow maybe we can go out hanging whereas then I cared about every single thing and I still do but there is an extent where you just get older maybe a bit more cynical but at the same time that thought that I'm just explaining to you now then keeps you on my toes because I go you're becoming a lazy bastard Yeah. so that kind of keeps you well, hopefully it keeps you going. But at least you pull yourself up. And also, but the load stuff is a very specific... For people who don't know, it's a very specific yeah. way of shooting. You you don't get the full well, script. Kinda, it's, it's kind of gubbed me in some ways for jobs because I'm a, I'm a money bastard about eyelines. I kind of have... See if somebody's... Because I think actors as well, we're big self-sabotagers. Like, you want an excuse... So especially if there's something that you've really got to commit to, right? And you've got a fear about committing to a scene because you go, right, this is a great bit of writing. I'm right across a brilliant actor. Everything's geared up to nail it. 
the only thing that's going to fuck it up is you fucking it up. Yeah, so you so, give yourself so, a hard so, time. So you want, but no, you give yourself an excuse because you go, oh. oh, you fucking moved over there in the deep background. <laughs> he, he moved. That's why I, it's not that I'm not good. It's that, so I need to get rid of everything. So any distractions. Any, just so I've got no excuses for myself. But that comes from, with the way Loach works, you shoot everything in order, which is obviously a joy for us because you're just you're living the story. Which very rarely happens. Very rarely happens, which and I think should happen more. I think some people... In fact, really do. it's only happened once for me and you. Which was... On our second or third film. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. we were all Because set. we were in... We were all, it was location. basically one studio, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, that was we could cool. afford that luxury, but that, no, that never happens. But it is a massive luxury, that, because you, you know exactly where you're at, you know exactly where you're going. Loach, nobody's ever in your eye lines, nobody calls action. It's just the most sort of, everything's geared towards getting the best performance out of you. So mm. I kind of went on to other jobs with these, sort of that standard in my head. Like, I thought, this is what everybody, and then you go on to other jobs, and obviously he's got his team around him, and they've got a specific way of working. And then you're on jobs and it's people who are there like maybe like sparks or stuff in the back on their phones messing about or something because it's not to them the, most actors it doesn't bother them so they're not used to having that kind of thing so it's in some ways it makes me kind of I can be a wee bit of a pain in the ass like in terms of but I think as long as you kind of get it clear you you've usually got a brilliant first AD or someone who knows or a crew any good crew will know how people work yeah. Um, and if they don't, they will after a week or so. Yeah, and then they can adjust you. Because that's the same thing that kind of goes the other way. I hate... I wouldn't say I'm a method actor, but, I mean, I like committing to things and I can... You've got to go, but I hate fucking actors. Sometimes I think actors, it's more about showing after process than actually delivering the performance. Or talking too much before they actually do the film to tell you what exactly they're going to do yeah, in the scene. Yeah, exactly. But it's, it's, becoming, it's, it's becoming about going, look at me, I'm right moody. You know, I'm really mm. angry and I'm in a mm. dark place. You're like... Nobody cares at the minute. It's what it's about goes on screen. And any good crew, just find yourself a quiet wee spot and a good crew, any professional crew, will just let you go on with it. You don't need to fucking storm about and make a nuisance or yourself. Or sort of highlight your insecurities by, by talking too much or so showing had, you. There's one, because there's one guy I had there, and I remember going, and he puts, they put themselves under pressure because he kind of shut himself away when he talked to anybody. And then... By the time he was coming out, I went, oh, fuck, this is going to be amazing. Yeah. This is going to be incredible. Mm. And then he, he hardly done anything. Yeah. And I went, you've created this atmosphere on set and then put yourself on pressure. And now we're all kind of... Ah, yeah, I just... It, it, it's, there's no single... There's no job more important than anybody else's no. on the set. No. So I kind of... As actors, it was something I learned pretty quickly where... Like, because I'd be going like... If you're out in your costume and there's a bit of rain and there's somebody running over you with an umbrella and you're kind of going, no, no, I'm fine. It's not about you. It's about the costume. Yeah. They're keeping the costume dry. It's not if a... they're telling you to get out of the sun, they're not fucking worried about you. <laughs> they, they don't want you overheating your makeup and start yeah. running. <clears throat> so it's quickly learning, but people get the wrong idea. And there's also you getting your dinner brought to you or stuff. People think it's because you're important. It's not. It's because they want you in your trailer to get fed so you can then get ready for checks. And also, so they know where you are. Exactly. So, I mean, I'm, I am... It, whenever I can, I do like to queue up for my own dinner. And it's yeah. it, the only thing is, I want to see it. I want to see whatever. Because <laughs> I, I, I love my food. I'm going, I want to see what the best is, option is. You actually know good food. I can eat, I eat shite. You know, my diet's shocking. Well, I remember, and I'll never forget, I remember the first time we were at. <laughs> <laughs> Is this fucking stoke? Yeah. 
<laughs> so we had we were in uh, we were doing Soul Boy, and it was the worst. It was uh, look, bless the caterers. Yeah. I'm really sorry, but it was terrible, yeah. terrible food. It was either spag bowl or vegetarian spag bowl, chili or veg chili every day <laughs> of the week. It was awful. So I went to Sainsbury's dinner, yeah. and I said, "What I'm going to do is going to get a nice." Fresh roast chicken, got a big old baguette, we got some like salad leaves and all that. And I was making you this hot chicken sandwich, wanna? And I put this stuff on. <laughs> no, and, and I don't know what it was. I did, I did, I did never, I'd never no, tried you, it before. No, but you went. Yeah. You said. Oh, what You said. <laughs> you said, what is that? And you went, it's really nice, what is that? And I went, it's mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of liked it. Was you when I was younger? So you think wasn't he far out a green up for then? And oh. I had a funny one. I was up at my pal's. I was up at Gordon Smart's who's for Tina Park a couple of years ago. So, and and it came out that I'd never cracked an egg before, and I was nearly thirty, and the whole place was just total and shocked. But I've, I've never felt the need to crack an egg. <laughs> I threw a couple when I was younger. Bet <laughs> <laughs> you did. I never cracked one, and, and it's just like I. I got my first job really when I was um, seventeen. And I was kind of living in hotels and on sets and that from then. And then you're in London in flatshares. So we were out all the time. Yeah, of course. I'm lucky with my missus. She's an incredible cook. But to this day, if I'm not with her, my diet is terrible. Um, or if you're not but, filming but, with but, me. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh-huh. But it's... I So, I mean, I'm in a bit of fucking shambles in a minute, actually, because I've got I've took a pretty hefty whack to the ribs. And I like my food in terms of... It might be crap food, but I like eating it. And I like a drink. But fortunately, most of the time, I, I like working out. So, I mean, I work out probably six times a week. Yeah. But if I can't work out with the ribs, you can feel it. And un- unfortunately, in our job, which is something, because even guys get it. And Richard Madden spoke about this. I'm glad that you kind of feel under pressure to look a certain way. You really do. Do you feel that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but now also things as well, like with fucking social media and all that. Now, people, people are on you about everything, you know what I mean? It's like fucking how you look, what you I mean... I remember it was one series I done, and my fucking eyebrows were getting caned, <laughs> absolutely caned. And I remember going, and it was at one point, you know, because I never. That was one of the points actually when I stopped reading um, uh, reviews, because it was actually it was the first series of Line of Duty, and that was a fucking it was the best job we've all ever had together. I mean, it was such a laugh. Yeah, it was an important job in my career. I felt I'd never be trusted to lead a BBC primetime show. And you've got amazing actors and Lenny and Vicky and you and Neil and Adrian and all that. But all that police jargon, it's so well written, but pulling that off with the accent. And then saying, going toe-to-toe with somebody like Lenny James, which I'm doing that whole thing. But doing that with the added fucking element of an accent, it's terrifying. Yeah. And so you do that, and then you kind of go, the show comes out, and you start reading it, oh, fucking, yeah, the show's going well. Oh, Lenny James is this, Vicky's this. Martin Crompton's eyebrows, and you kind of go, oh, fucking, first time. Actually, I do have terrible eyebrows, fair play. But then week two, week three, you're kind of going... Well, like, can we stop with this now? Yeah, well, it's just, like, your job's a critic, like, and I've worked my arse off for fucking four months. Yeah. And that's, oh, you found a wee thing you kind of want, and that's kind of went, well, if that's kind of what people are worried about, what's the point of me worrying? And the show fucking done well, so... But are you good with that, with social media and with criticism? Um, Do you deal with it well? I can, I can, but the thing is, I mean, probably how many people have said this on this, you get lovely praise all day, it'll be that one negative thing, and that's yeah. the thing that sticks in your head, and Twitter really should have a fucking breathalyzer. 
Because at night, <laughs> you know what I mean? If I could get that on my phone to like after two drinks, you cannot go on social media because that's where you get yourself in trouble and that's when you rise to it. Um, but I don't, everybody usually, uh, it's, I kind of get it a lot. In Scotland, there's a big thing with, um, obviously, I'm kind of well-known Celtic fan and there's a lot of football banter and stuff with Celtic and Rangers fans and it kind of gets a bit religious and that can get a bit heavy at times. But I'm quite thick-skinned. Yeah. Like, I'm... Um, I'm all right with it, but yeah, I think again, probably older. It's a while ago. I deleted Facebook, and I was like, "It's been such. I have not missed it one bit because it's because the thing is with the other ones, with Twitter and Instagram and stuff for us, it is good for work, and also with Twitter, I think what is good with it is if something's come out about you, it's false. You You can can easily respond really quickly, so it's good for that. But I like it can get. But do you think it's essential for work now? Because I know it's, no, there's, it's there's so many people who do what we do who aren't on it at all for yeah. various reasons. And I, and I kind be, of get it. I do understand. Healthy. I mean, it can be a laugh, but to, to be honest, what it, it would be good for, and it is good for, is if it's horrible to say, but if you're getting any sort of freebies, you know what I mean? The social media becomes a big thing into it. Um, but And it is good to sort of promote a bit of work and stuff, you know, and just talk about it, what's coming out. And also, it's really nice after you get a reaction to something, if it's good to just let people know, thank you for watching it. Well, exactly. I mean, you know, the amount of people that we try and respond to everybody mm. on social media yeah. who talks about the episodes of the podcast. Yeah. And it's like, well, in a way, it saves them dropping an email yeah. or anything. They can just do it. It's, so yeah, it's like, right. it's become, you know, the modern day fan letter. Aye. And it? As well, like, I mean, especially like something like Line of Duty, we, I don't think we be as big as we are without social media mm. I think the word of mouth uh, that spread after the first couple of series kept a sort of momentum going before it went on to BBC One and then the, then it, it kind of got big on terms of being a prime time Sunday night show but it, it was definitely a massive thing of social media like it was huge for us it really caught fire yeah. in series two yeah. and see, I remember when series one came out and I remember the first time I heard your voice on on the radio. It's when, when they started yeah. doing the trainers on yeah, the radio yeah, for the yeah. first time. There was you and there was Lenny. And yeah, there was me. Yeah. Just went, oh, God, this is yeah. fucking exciting, isn't it? Yeah. You've got to be fucking careful with social media as well. And that, like, I remember at first you're thinking, you didn't think maybe excessive, even this is stuff like this now, I worry. Like, the shows went at such a mad level now. Um, that you kind of got to be careful on everything you say. And, like, it kind of turns you a wee bit paranoid. I mean, I'm... It also, it's been, in, what res- in what respect, what do you mean by that? Well, I was really struggling a couple of weeks ago, um, or not even a couple of months ago. Like, the show just went to a whole other level. Um, and I wasn't used to, the odd sort of paparazzi thing, but I wasn't used to being followed or about, especially at the time. I was in America at the time, and I remember saying to Vicky and Aidy, because they were getting kind of doorstepped and stuff and followed about. And then all of a sudden, um, I got sent a hang from my agent, and it was pictures of me walking the dog outside my, my hang in America and I was yeah. like oh and I didn't see anybody and then a couple of weeks later they were kind of following us about which I didn't know but they so they'd followed us about they had pictures of me and my missus from leaving sort of coming out of our house in the state in the morning to going for lunch to going shopping to going to dinner to then having us in a supermarket and they followed us a whole day um, without us seeing and, I mean, there's no way we're going to get through this without me saying it, but my, my missus, and it's well out there, my missus is expecting her first at the time. And Tiana at the start was getting these um these bad blo- nosebleeds, which apparently are quite common. Not un- They're not uncommon, put right. it that way. 
And we had to go into one of those supermarkets because America supermarkets have got um, uh, they've got like many sort of it's a bigger pharmacy and stuff, so you get you can tie yourself up to get your blood pressure checked. Right. And they've got pictures <laughs> of us in about there, and that I felt violated after that. You yeah. Know what I mean, that felt horrible, and it kind of felt like it went in you from. I thought I'd been bobbing about in a really nice level of fame, just sort of underneath, like people spot you and say hello. So now it, it gets a bit heavy. Like again, it's it's fucking hard to sit here and complain, like. I'm sitting at Wimbledon final the other the other week, like stupid stuff like that. Like, yeah, amazing stuff comes with it, and I'm on a great run of work, and I'm, I'm never, never ever take for granted how lucky I'm to be in this position. But it's, I it's kind of like well, it was the other week, right? Um, I was in Manchester. We were here filming. It's a lovely city, this, but again, it was getting a bit mad being out and stuff, and because the show had just finished, so you couldn't really get out and about. And Greenock, my hometown's always been my wee sanctuary. You yeah, because I know most people. Um, and I went up there and it was it was mad it was like sort of people kind of hanging outside my mum and dad's house and neighbours families always happen to be there people in your garden waiting on you kind of go and the thing is the problem is you can hate to see your mates and family but you kind of get talking to them if you go you spend your night talking to complete strangers and it's nice and everybody's nice I'm not complaining about that but you want to spend a bit of time like I, like I went home last year at Christmas and I ended up just I end up hiring a pub for me and 30 of my mates and just lock the doors. Just so you can just have so, peace. Just where you're part. It's not yeah. even having peace. It's just because I want to talk to my mates. Yeah. Because you spend... Because somebody will come up... Well, spend that quality time with the people yeah, that you love. Yeah. Because people are lovely and they're always... I mean, I've, 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 it's, people have been great to me, but they, they come up and ask for a picture and then it's a 10, 15 minute convo. And if you do that 10 times a night, that's hours gone. You know what I mean? If And mm. that's 10's usually a fucking conservative estimate. And I was just thinking... It, it just went to a new level and I end up going back and people are on you to come to their houses and open things and fucking it's the videos that drive me mad you get the video requests for people to do their wedding videos and I'm like stop being a lazy bastard fucking write a speech that's why you're best man yeah there was one guy that came up to me and he had a three page story and he said he wanted you to he wanted me to record <laughs> he fucking wanted me to do the accent as well I was like what in hey, he wanted me to do, 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 do it as Steve do it as Steve oh come on and now you're like mate see if somebody one of my best men did our wedding I'd have went you lazy fucking bastard the yeah. reason I picked you is that is somebody just going oh there's a video and that's the thing with a lot of these videos I don't think they're actually for the person it's for it's their own it's the person who's asking for it their own sort of gratification you know what I mean and I, of course I don't I, I like Aye, it's a mad thing. It's just some. I think everything's. It was mad just to show everything. Just kind of calm doing a bit. But aye, it just kind of went to a new phase, and so it's just kind of made you more hyper aware. And I mean, Jesus fuck. The other night when we were for dinner, because you you're really good at this. That's the thing is, you don't suffer fools. No, I don't. Um, but um, in also we but were. I mean, at- that other night when we were at dinner, and that lastly just. So me, you and my missus are sitting yeah. at dinner. And, and we were there last, for a fair yeah, few hours, weren't and we? Last, and the guys, and then there's the other side, those lovely guys wrote that lovely note, had a bit of a laugh, come up, they had a yeah. And then the other night, the, the lassie just sort of bowls in, drops down a dessert, and starts going, eat that to us. And starts, and I kind of, and I, you know me, I just smile away and go, yeah, yeah, I'll try that. And you just go, excuse me, you're, you're interrupting, Mike. 
you've had your time. But I was all right with it. Yeah, but it no, got, you were all right. We were there for a few hours and it got to a point where we yeah. went, there's only so many photos that we can take. But it wasn't, it's that one, because the photos and all that thing, it's when people like just then, because we could have been talking about anything, like an intimate, and yeah. somebody just sitting there and starts shoving custard well, down your throat. But she didn't even say, excuse me, she's just like, eat that. <laughs> eat that. It, it yeah. kind of scared me a bit yeah. as well, because you don't know what. But it's going on. That's what I said, because you, you're good at that side, but what I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm really bad at saying no. I'd have let somebody sit there all night. Right. You know what I mean? That's where I struggle with it. And that's like, if I, I, I really struggle with saying no to people want me to do things and all that kind of thing. Like Why that. do you think that is? Because there'll be some people. And no, because I'm very, the, I think so, no, cause I know, because I'm aware of how lucky I am to be where I am. Of course, but I think um, we all are. Yeah. But sometimes you have to go, actually, yeah. what if. What if it was just you and your wife together and you have having happens. a which happens, yeah. you're having a very intimate discussion yeah. about whatever and then all of a sudden yeah. someone comes railroading in. You've got to... Well, they do it in a minute. It's, it works, and I've maybe got a wee bit better just because obviously cause the wife's pregnant and I get a bit like... Very protective. protective. I'm kind of like people kind of... Especially now, so I don't like going out in crowds now because it gets... No. And it's not fair on on her when... And, and I mean, she's a saint with it. I mean, she deals with it. Brilliantly, a lot of it. No, she does. Can, people can be quite forceful. I hear I sound like I'm a wee money bastard. I mean, no, no, not at all. But also, there'd be people listening to this, and the tens of thousands of people who do listen to this podcast, not everybody is sort of in the arts, or yeah. you know, I've got gardeners in Nottingham, I've got other people, you know, loads of people <laughs> listen who just, who just, who just, Vicky's fan. But um, some people might say, well, you know what? Because you do what you do and you're in people's homes, yeah. then that's just that's part and parcel mm-hmm. of it that you have to deal with yeah. that. I agree with that to yeah. an extent, yeah. but once you open the floodgates, it doesn't mean that everybody right. should just run in. I suppose in terms as well, it's maybe just been a bit wiser about it yourself, where you're going and all that kind of thing. And also, I think there's a guess to a point... You see people, they stick their name on fucking everything and it means nothing then. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, especially the charities and stuff, they just go, yep, do that, do that. And you can see them. If I'm taking something on, I really want to commit to it. I want to believe in it and I want to actually contribute something to it. I just don't want to send a, a daft 15 seconds video and then, not, and then somebody come up to you and go, oh, by the way, when you did that thing, you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Sure. You know, I really actually want to get involved if I, if I am. You know? And do you think things like this have changed because... You, you know, you've got more well-known or because of the times we're living in? I think uh, it's probably a bit of both. I think the fucking camera phones could be the bane of your life, man. Because um, you can't even, like, even daft things, like going out for a night, you're, you're feared to... Because you know me, I, I like a drink and I like a laugh and I like a, I like a proper carry You're on. very sociable. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we say. Um... But with that, then you're very now you're very aware of like camera phones on you and stuff. So you can, like maybe if it's going up to have a dance or stuff, you're like, fuck, I don't want to end up looking like a tit. Yeah. On, well, it's like um, when I was talking to Jodie Comer, yeah. and she told me she was in a restaurant, and she'll happily snap away with yeah, anybody. Yeah. But I thought she was eating with her family or a friend, yeah. and she caught somebody videoing her. Yeah. While she was eating, and I think that's just that's too miserable, much. Man. That's not fair. No, it's miserable. It's, it's, it isn't it? And it's just. It's just that thing, people think you're fucking blind or deaf. You can see it. You really can see In it. some respects, you can see it even more. Because you're very alert to it. But then I think sometimes you've got to be careful. Because then you, you, if you let it rule your life and you just sit down and then right away, 
you're fucking looking for a reason to be moody. You know what I mean? So I try and not let. Get me in the day if it's but it's maybe it's fucking making me rein it in a bit. Maybe that's not a bad thing at times, but I the that and then obviously put things out because what I. Things is new. Everybody asks for these pictures, and thing is, my missus is actually obsessed with that, these stupid filters as well. But I hate when somebody asks you for a selfie, and then they put like these Snapchat filters on you as an alien or something, and all that, and then you can't even say, <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, <laughs> fucking, I look like a prick, man. <laughs> but you can't even say it, you know what I mean? You just kind of, and again, I, I sound like I'm ungrateful because people really, especially, I think I've been really lucky in Scotland, like, I think we can, we'd really tend to get behind our own. Yeah. And I think Sweet 16 and then The Wee Man was a big success up the road. And so from that, people have always been, been good to us. And then, but it, I think people, I think, because I try to be a decent guy. You know what I mean? I try to be as sound as everybody I can. And I think if you're sound, people genuinely treat, treat you well. But it's just, I think, again, maybe what I'm saying this is because a lot of this tense stuff tends to happen in Europe and about. And I think when people have got a drink in them, you know what I mean? It can get a wee bit handsy as well, if you've really noticed that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've noticed... There's a few old dears love sticking their lips on me. I've um, noticed that yeah. as well, especially when we're out together. Yeah. It can, it can yeah, it go... Is, it does go a bit off, right. which we have to sort of be careful of. But I, I would say, nine times out of ten, most people are absolutely bloody lovely. Yeah. And they haven't oh, got a bad word to say. Yeah. But I, I agree, if people have got a drink in them, they, they've got no filter, really, yeah. and they can just... Yeah. I've got to in. tell you the life story as well. That's it's fucking mad. What? Like, they've got to tell you the life oh, story. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. <laughs> but what can you do? You've got to go, uh-huh. Yeah, you've got to... Just let them listen. Let it... Look, it costs... It costs more... Yeah. ...to be a dick than yeah. it does just to be a bit sound, I think. Just sort of go, OK, yeah. and I'll yeah. just have my ears yeah. open and it's no bother. No, that's it. And just be nice. If, it's, if it's five or six just minutes out of your time... If you go above yeah. six and a half minutes, then fuck off. But no, I'm joking. <laughs> 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 but we need to what we need to do is go back right we need to go back to Greenwich so we're not we? about a tangent I know yeah. that's what it does yeah. this is the podcast yeah. but we need to go back because it was never acting really was it well I mean I say never no yeah, but there was, there was, was nothing there was certain things that were more important yeah. sometimes I mean it's it probably coming for Greenock or for being working class you know, I mean, not acting wasn't it something you can consider a serious career but Always loved films and always loved writing and stories and all that kind of thing. But no, football was sort of my first love. And um, but I, it was a mad thing. Cause I, you could probably sound like a dick for saying this because because I always thought I was going to do something. I didn't know what. But I think every kid feels like that. So I don't think that's a mad thing to say. I think everybody thinks you're, they're going to go out in the world at some point and try something, whatever it may be. Yeah, of course. Um, and. I so like my my uh, my English teacher always wanted me to be the dame and the panto, but you you'd get the shit kicked out of you. Um, so it was not. Did, did you turn it down? What? Did you turn it down? Of course I did. Several times. Well, but I was I was a dame once. <laughs> cool, I can see you being a fucking dame. I was a cross between, <laughs> and I quote Bet Lynch and Lily Savage. <laughs> Tim Parkinson. <laughs> so I got told off for smoking on stage. I'm <laughs> giving a few bad ad libs. They didn't like it. That. I know it's terrible. But I would, now looking back, I'd have loved to have done it, or maybe just had maybe had the balls because maybe your mates would have came and had a laugh. But you know, maybe it was me judging my pals, but it was just something we didn't do. And it's never too late, Martin. Never too late. Um, but I saw a big change in my life was um, was on a double date with my mate, and he's a couple of last season. I don't know what 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 we were going to see, but we saw my name is Joe by mistake, 
And, um, Good film to see by mistake. Unbelievable. And I've just like, it was the first time I'd ever heard anybody speak like me on a big screen. You know what I mean? I've probably seen films or stuff in the house, but I'd never been at the cinema and I heard an accent like mine. And I was like, I didn't know we could be actors like that. I didn't know people went to the cinema to watch this kind of stuff. Yeah, and so powerful as Aye, well. Aye, and I could relate to the people. I mean, I'd seen these people in the street, you know, and they spoke like me, they moved like me. And then the next year, um, I mean, I didn't know who Ken Loach was, per se, but my dad loved Kess. And he used to play that football game in Kess on repeat. And I loved that. And then just there were, there were open auditions at my school. And my, te- my, my pal's dad who was, a, was the assistant head and he was a football coach as well, he said, um, he said, look, they're holding these up auditions and they've explained the kid they're looking for and he says, I think it could be you. And I went, he said, just go along, give it a go. And I went, well, what's that about? And he says, well, it's the guy that did My Name Is Joe and Kess and like my eyes just lit up and I went, fuck, I, aye, absolutely. And then, can you remember what the description was of what they were looking for? No, he never told me. Did he? he? Just, no, he just says, I think it's you. I think it could be you. So what did you, did you went along? I went along to, was me and my best pal, um, we went along uh, like just in one of our classrooms like I met a researcher and she just gave us like these improvs like to try and we just laugh like just saying fucking swearing and having a carry on and then the next one was a call back in Glasgow and my mate he bottled it and um, Did he? They, offered, they offered you 30 quid to come back and there's no way I was turning that down <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and it was mad going in like because I sat down and I was getting the train up to Glasgow and at that age on your own, even 16, 17, wasn't it the biggest, but it was still a big deal to go to a big city on, on your Todd. And, um, How old were you at this point? I was just six, 16. Just turned 16. 16. And then um, I remember going on the auditions and I was terrified for just in my tracksuit first and there was all these kids with fucking, one of them had a suit on and they were doing like voice warm-ups and all that kind of stuff. Um, there was a couple of them and then there was a couple of other lads like me, but I just felt like weirdly looking at them I thought they don't know what the fuck this is about like and then again just going in and I kind of I knew what they wanted at me like I could tell in the room I mean not I mean you know me I've got no common sense when it comes to fucking cooking or cleaning up or anything like that I'm useless with DIY but I've always been kind of book smart sort of thing yeah. you know I mean yeah. kind of street wise um, yeah. and I could tell what they wanted they wanted somebody who was a wido but was clever so I, I knew that for the off and I just sort of gave them that and then got the next call back and met Ken and just sort of let fly. And I felt I felt pretty confident. Like, I don't know why, just going in. And even first days on set. Um, Did you feel that during the audition stuff, though, that you kind of had nothing to lose? Aye. Um, because because they were doing, talking about stuff I kind of knew about. I didn't... And, and they, like, hearing Ken's fucking lovely, but he's this lovely, sweet old man, and hearing him talk about, like, you know, like people fight and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, I'm no more about that than you. You know yeah. what I mean? So I felt quite confident in all those kind of things. And I'll never forget what they treated me so well on that job. And that one, I mean, they could have given me in and I wouldn't have had a clue. I mean, they paid me, I was a lead actor in that and they paid me as a lead actor. So, I mean, that set me up for a while just in terms of after it, like I could take my time. But also the amount of stuff I tried on that job that I wouldn't try now and the amount of stuff I told Ken what I thought was wrong. And he just knew looking back, I cannot believe a director of his experience would be listening to me and changing scenes. Like like what? What do you mean? Well, there was one, there's one specific scene um, where he sets up all these surprises kind of thing. And they work, so they work a lot of the time. I mean, they're, they're, he's renowned for them. Um, but there was one where he's kind of setting me up and it's the gangster coming in. So I walk in 
and my mate's just blew up or something his, his garage or his, his gym and the gangster pulls me in and it, the, the thing is I've been pulled off the street so I'm going to get my head kicked in and he goes here's a car I'm going to get you a car I'm going to get you um, uh, a house for you and your mum da 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 and then I went I just went I was like I don't believe this and then Ken's like what, what, what's problem I said I don't believe this I was like what do you mean he says well my mate's just blew up his garage why the fuck is he giving me a car and all that kind of thing so I don't believe him for one second and he went alright right right stop Cause, but that wasn't because I wasn't in the script my lines Yeah. and then he went right go again and just tell him you don't believe him and then he went and then, and then so he went again and I went why are you doing this and then he went I want you to do your mate and that was like boom so I knew there was something coming <laughs> yeah you know what I mean And but for the fact to let him just he did that stuff all the time just going let me just let me go you know what I mean just let me try it and I'll be forever grateful for him for, for that and he always said something that stuck with me as I'm because even at first, he, he encouraged me to like follow football. He says, because he says, look, there's a lot of, he says, such a tough business acting. He says, he says, you've got the talent, but football's your first love. And he says, you can have all the talent in the world in this job, but if somebody doesn't give you the chance, then you could struggle. He said something as well that always stuck with me. He said, um, energy is something, whatever it may be in the scene, it communicates through the, through the screen. If you're enjoying yourself, the audience will be enjoying himself. Now, that means you could be in a depressed scene, but if you're into it and you're going for it, then the audience are with you. And they'll buy into it. Yeah, and yeah. that's something that I'll always try and kind of keep with me when I'm doing any sort of job. Just bring fucking energy and enthusiasm to it. And if it's... I've been guilty of doing some fucking shite films in the past. I mean, Jesus Christ, if you've got a film called... Not many people have got strippers versus werewolves on their fucking CV. And before you ask, I was a werewolf. And um, I've seen it. <laughs> I, I say I've seen it. I said half of it. At the time, I thought I'm going to give this. You're going to go for it. I'm mm-hmm. in it. I, I, and that was something I was guilty of when I was younger as well. But because I couldn't get my head around turning down work, because I'm like I'm an actor. People are offering me a job to act. Why would I turn down money to be on, when I can be on set? Yeah. Doing it. And also, why I'd rather be on set trying to make something that's shite better and meeting people than sitting in the house doing fuck all brooding so but that is a big part of the because there is maybe other people would maybe look in a sort of mercenary way but for me it wasn't about that it was about going to work I love see all the stuff that comes with it we're lucky we are lucky we get all these free and stuff but I fucking love my job I love being on set I love meeting people I love making stuff come alive and that's what it's, and it's not about the premieres and all that stuff it's about being fucking on set in the rain at three o'clock in the morning going let's go again yeah, I need yeah, to go again yeah. that's what it's about and that's that's where I get my kicks for it you know but that's the most important thing is the process it's not about watching it or Aye. thinking oh well I hope people like it Aye. or I hope it makes X amount of money Aye. it's about what's going on now in this scene and exactly. hopefully we've done this script just exactly. this and it's, it's keeping it and keeping yourself <laughs> at the right laugh going working with lovely uh, you know Molly Windsor at the moment. Oh, and Molly's right. an absolute superstar she's got a world at her feet man she's so good but we were on a laugh yesterday she kind of caught me I've kind of got this matra- mantra to myself which is at your cunt I say it to myself all the time do you say that within your own head? I said yeah that it's like when I'm just singing it's fucking at your cunt and, and it is that thing and that's when I kind of catch myself going just skating through it or like second guessing myself and just just fucking do it just commit to it and whatever happens happens just fucking go for it because at least then you're going to get something out of it it might be wrong but you'll find out where you're going you know that's um, a joy of filming if you get it wrong that's all right go back do it again aye and and I can be a bit 
And that's the thing, another thing I find as well, because the best for me, the best improvisers are the people who are prepared. Like, I, I'm so over-prepared at times. One out of, as I said earlier, a, a fear of self-sabotage myself, somebody moving, not knowing my life. So I need to know everything inside out because that's the only time I can properly let go. Is and when relax. I go, yeah, yeah, because I go, fuck it, I can try that because I know where I've got to get back to. And the best in the business of that is, is Vicky McClure and Stephen Graham because True. they work so far. I had, I had a lovely thing... Um, it was amazing working with Stephen this year, just because it's fucking intense. I mean, you know, we're all pals, but... Yeah, but those scenes were electric. But there was one bit, right, where um, me and him in the garage doing stairs, and me and him have been running it and stuff in the flats, and uh, we're, we're, it, he's, he's got the gun on me, and he's given it, um, I'm on my own, I'm on my own, and it wasn't scripted, and then he says, and, I, and he says, if he's going to shoot me, and then put the gun to his own head, and it, was, and it just felt like on the crew, because it was like a collective gasp, <laughs> Right, and then <laughs> and then the scene starts and see it, and everybody going, "Oh my god!" And seems going, "Oh, I don't know what happened there." Like I was thinking, "Fucking right, you know what happened there." <laughs> <laughs> it was like this massive spontaneous thing of people going, "Like it just snatched up." And I went, "You've sat in your flat, you fucker, had this planned out, and you were waiting." That was the the perfection of it was not doing it on take one, two, three. It was like when it was heightened, and nobody was expecting it. And maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm being a bit cynical, but I, I tend to like Stevie is one of the cleverest and most talented people I know. Oh, and brilliant. there's no fucking way like he didn't have that in the mind that that was happening at some point. And it was, it was oof when it happened. But aye, I mean, that's the greatest improvisations in my head that are, are all planned. At. But that's the thing, but it's like, sometimes you get what you're given and sometimes yeah. maybe you saw something and you went, oh, I know what I'm going to do now. Yeah. You just switch it up. Yeah. There's nothing worse than doing the same thing yeah. Over. After ag- again yeah, and again and again, aye, and you've got to people because then everybody gets bored. Everybody knows what's yeah. going to happen. Well, that's it. that's the same as well. Like I, I, but it's funny these things as well because I don't like to over rehearse. I mean, you need you need to map map out the geography of it just to know you kind of know what you're doing. And then, but I like to leave a bit there. But I did, I did filth with James McAvoy, and James was fucking incredible in that film. Probably the best performance I'd seen of the last of that decade and um, he had so many strands of that film to do but in rehearsals he was already at 10 and he was just sort of annoyingly effortlessly good and James is a James and probably Stephen uh, probably maybe because of both of them are short asses <laughs> ironically are people I look up to <laughs> um, but like just the way they carry themselves they're good guys Got on with it, keep their heat doing, don't be there, but just bring it every day at work. And you're only better with better actors around you. That's because, true. Because you just, you've got to up your game. Yeah. You know? And and it's, I love that tension of coming on set going and like, you can't be fucking about today, we man. You need to be in there, you've got to be on this, this accent's got to be perfect. Because if your accent's not great going up against Stephen Graham, then you're in fucking trouble. Yeah. But also, that's what, and not to turn this around, Lan, is you all the time, and I don't think we've spoken about it too much, I don't want to be too self-indulgent, but that's what always excited, I know me and you yeah. and Vicky and Eddie, yeah. was going, oh, we've got new people coming yeah. in, right, we're going Daniel to have to I, step I mean, up here. Man, fucking Danny Mays, Kelly. Oh, when Danny, Danny, when Danny was cast, do you remember? Danny we went, was amazing, who's, you know. Jason Watkins, Tandy. Oh, incredibly. Oh, everybody, I mean, we've been right, I mean, that's been a big English show, like the people coming in, because they sort of become the lead. Well, it was already yeah, with Lenny. Yeah. I mean, Lenny is, as we know, no, w- one that, of he's the so best. Good. And he's just Full a top stop. guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's something we've kind of had on the job. Everybody that's been on it's been sound. 
You know, there's no egos on it. You know, everybody comes in. And no, but the thing is, that's why Jed filters out Aye. the Aye. wheat from the chaff. He sorts yeah. it all out. And also, people who are going to get on when the cameras aren't rolling. Right. He's Aye. very, very good at that. Oh, he's brilliant. He's, and he's got he's got your back, Jed, as well. I mean, he's a couple of times. I don't want to get into it too, too much, but there's, like, there's been times something happened and, like, it's been raised... People haven't been like, and it's been sorted. And it's been sorted yeah. immediately like, with, with with the least bit of dramatic. Yes, and it's and done. It's, and it's done. It's done, and yeah. we move on. Right. People will be asking what that is now. <laughs> don't matter. You don't <laughs> need to know. Could have all been different yes, if they'd chosen a new Steve Arnold. <laughs> exactly. People don't know that. You I know. know. I know. Like because we get my sounding board because I don't. But you, should we talk? for Steve. But should we talk? Well, we need to talk about auditions. Yeah, you got me. Me and you have done so many auditions yeah. together and yeah. rehearsed things. Rehearsed them, mate. But a big one for us was when we both got the Line of Duty yeah. scripts. Because I... I'll let you tell No, it. well, because you were a big... I mean, I, I, see, I've not got many regrets in my career, but I've got fucking sleepless nights at times about... I was doing uh, our pal Kieran Hawks' film uh, with uh, Neil Maskell. Um, Piggy. Piggy. And it was quite an intense film with Paul Anderson from Piggy Blenders. And really intense film. And I don't like... I don't... When I'm, when I'm on a job, I don't read another book or get into a series because I can get quite obsessed with stuff and I'd just like to focus and I'd been offered The Wee Man already which I knew I was going on to which it was something playing Paul Ferris which is like the Scottish craze Yeah, I wanted that part and I knew I was going on to it so I was already there my head was already there once I'd finished that and then the Line of Duty edition come in and I was like I'm not sure and then you phoned me and you said I'm going for it you said this is the best Scripts I've ever read for TV. So it's best I've ever read, and I went fuck. And it was the it was the only script for months that had finished episode one. Yeah, had a massive intake of breath and reached for series two straight away and went, "What the fuck?" So when you said that to me, I went right. I better get the finger out and go down. And I was really lucky with it in that I was doing because I stay an accent when I do a job, and I was doing a London accent. Bit more caught me. So when I come in, the accent wasn't an issue. So me and you ran it. I went in and then... We're in the pub next door, weren't we? You, you weren't the Doc Cotton at first, what was it? What? You weren't Doc Cotton at first, what was it? You had another. There was another soap fucking thing, was it? No, because we both had to audition for Steve Arnold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is bizarre, yeah, thinking of it at the time. That but, but when you got Doc, was it another soap? What yeah, was it? no, he was never called Doc Cotton. He was called... Babs Windsor? <laughs> <laughs> Windsor. Would have been fucking class. But um, but I remember because we both auditioned. You were in first, and then I went in, didn't I? Yeah, you were and fucked then, then, weren't you? What? You were fucked then, weren't you? Fucked then. <laughs> oh, well, obviously, I was just not short enough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then I found out. I remember we both got the call the next day, yeah. didn't we? Yeah. And I went. Oh, I don't really know what this part is, yeah. so I had to go back, back and guy. look, and I went. Oh no, this yeah. is really interesting. And I, and then was you, I, you, you were swaying a bit, going maybe no, and I said you need it. Yeah, no, because then because then Jed was it like, was the it was the big twist. Was yeah, coming. but I didn't know yeah, about yeah. that, and there'll yeah. be spoilers yeah. here. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I didn't know. But I thought, well, you're doing it. Yeah. The script's was, amazing. Vicky was doing yeah, it. Yeah. Lenny was doing it, and that's all I knew at that point. I didn't even know Ad or yeah. or no, Neil was doing it. Morrissey was in. Oh, the Morrissey. It's uh, it is episode 100. Myself it. and Mike comes from Manchester, having a little glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> cheers. Uh, cheers, Slancha brother. Slancha. So where are we? Auditions. How are you in auditions? Because 
There's been many times when I've met you and we've run things yeah. before as pals, do you know yeah. what I mean? Not been up against each other. That's the only time we've been yeah. up against each yeah. other. Um, but how do you feel going in? Um, because it comes up time and time again yeah. on this and I yeah. like, I do like it to talk about it. man. Like, the, the thing, what's become a lot more prevalent now is obviously the self-tapes, which I'd probably... Because it, we've I'd done see, a fair few yeah, of those as well. Yeah. But the thing is with auditions, man, is... I don't think at times they're, they're conducive environment to get the best out of people. Some of them are very cold, like, Jesus, does it... To be fair, Britain's probably a bit easier. America is fucking horrible. It's that is cold, very cold, man. yeah. It's come in, stand on that dock, go up, speak, line out. Out. It's miserable. I don't, I don't think I'm going to tell you this, actually. One of the worst... Great. One go of the on. worst additions I ever had. Um, it's for Star Trek, Scotty. So I just... I'd literally just landed... And Ellie and I told I will tell you about this later. We had these super agents at the time, and I was like, "Look, I just want to get in the first day. I just want to settle. Give me a day, get my head together, not crying." And I literally got off the plane, and they went. Um, so I got in at night. And says Martin, "We've got a dish for uh, for Scotty tomorrow for Star Trek." And I went, "Guys, man, I was like, it's tomorrow. Like, I'm, my head's going to be buzzing." I'm like, "Look, it's Scotty. You need to go for it." And I went, "Right." And says, "It's one scene. Don't worry about it." I went, "All right, all right." He says, "We'll get it to you tomorrow because you've got to sign this thing to get it." The NDA. So, so the, the audition was at like, fucking, I think it was like 12. So I got up, no sleep, obviously, jet lagged. Get up in the morning, got to go try and get that early so I could learn the thing. And it's a three-page monologue about fucking space mechanics. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. And I hate, I need to be off book. I can't look because I, if I look down, I'll break it. And then when I start thinking about where I've got to go, I stop acting. So I, I need time to prepare it. So I, I, I learn it, 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 and I go through it. I think, right, I'm on this. So I go to the, um, go start going to the audition. And it was on, I think it was on Olympic somewhere. But nobody told me that all streets in LA run east and west. So my audition was at the beach in Santa Monica. <laughs> and I went fucking east to Koreatown. <laughs> And I pulled up this place and it was like a Korean massage parlour. And I was like, and then I went, is this like a test? <laughs> so I fucking went up and like chat the door and I was like, this week I'm like, hello? And I went, is this Star Trek? And she's like, not like, with some Korean accent going, no, massage, massage. And I went, no, Star Trek. And she went, no, 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 no. And I was like, oh, fuck man. And I went out and I phoned my agent and I'm like, I don't know if this fucking thing's right. And I went, where are you? And I went, no, it's in Santa Monica. And Santa Monica's a beach. It's fucking the other, it's miles away. <sighs> so then I'm late already. And he says, look, we've called, we've got you in for three. What so time get, is it now? So now it's like one. Right. So that's, but it's an hour and a half back the way. And oh. it's fucking LA traffic. So I get there, it's fucking roast and I'm sweating in the car. Get there, get there just for three. And then get in, walk in. So I'm like, just die, like, thank fuck. Boy goes in, boy goes in. And then another guy comes in behind me and goes in. And I'm like, all right. And then another guy comes in and she comes out, shouts his name, goes in. Name to tell me you had to sign in. Oh, God. We don't do that here. No. And so you've got to sign in your name to let you know you're here. So I'm sitting there till half five. What? <laughs> like, I fell asleep. <laughs> you fell asleep. <laughs> and then she comes out and locks the door and I'm like, aye, aye. And I'm like, I'm here for Star Trek. And she went... Are you Martin? I went, aye. She's like, well, why, why didn't you sign in? Like, then she's getting a bit irate at me. Like, like we've moved around your thing and all that. I'm thinking, like, nobody fucking told me. So I walk in. She's like, right, take a breath. And she opens, and she's opening up and putting the camera in that back on for me. So already it's like... Already it's a no-go. 
My God. And then, so I did the first page and then I come up to this bit and I went, oh, fuck, what's the next bit? What's the next bit? And I just blanked. And I went, I'm really sorry. And she's like, yeah, yeah, it's fine, look. But if you blank again, don't, just look down. The thing's in front of you. And then I got out something in my head going like, I can't even look down. So I got, again, this, this bit's coming. And I'm going, what the fuck is this line? I know it's something to do with quantum mechanics. Oh, fuck, <laughs> fuck, look. And then I couldn't find it on the page. And then I went, oh no. And she went, I say it again, Martin, just look at it. And then I went again, obviously fucking blanked again. And I just started laughing and I just read like, I literally just read it, and it was the worst fucking feeling, like, walking up there the first day of pilot season, destroyed, just wanting the grin to swallow me up. Just walked out, and he said, hey, Martin, did you fucking hell, was it? And I'm like, terrible. Like, worst <laughs> fucking, it's like, I want to go home. And then, weirdly enough, they said, I said, look, I, I need to get back in that room. And they said, and then the big casting director, this lovely, she's a massive April Wester, who's a J.J. Abrams casting director, she said, I come back in two days later, and she was there, and she just said, ah, you were in your own head, don't worry about it. And that was fucking lovely. Smashed it. Got a call back, met J.J. Abrams and all that kind of thing. Um, there was a neat, I, I can't remember, what was Tommy's second name? But his first AD and co-producing partner was a Scottish lad, and apparently he'd put in a word for me. Obviously, then went to Simon Pegg. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, it's... It's pure Scottish. Pure Scottish through and through. But it's just, because at one point, though, I think... Because I was excited about because Shia LaBeouf, I think, at one point was in for Chris Pine, and I'd worked with Shia before. Lovely lad, fucking madman, but lovely lad. And I thought then I might have had a crack at it. But it's some. There's mad things, because I remember as well. I'll, I, would, I'll, I would say his name. Oh, fuck, you'd bleep it out, wouldn't you? Yeah. I'll say his name. Fucking. <laughs> was over, um, and um, he was over for auditions. I remember we were in this cattle market in some place in Studio City. Did you bump into him? So I was in. So I know who he is, but he doesn't know who I am because it's just full of wee American lads. And he comes in and I go into the toilet and I'm, I'm washing my hands in the basin and he walks in and he gets in the basin beside me, throws water in his face and goes... <laughs> looks at yourself, points at yourself in the mirror and then walks back. No. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? I mean, I've seen this guy on TV growing up. Yeah. And I'm like, what just happened? And <laughs> he just fucking walks back out the room. So, I mean, obviously, people have got different processes, you know what I mean? Maybe that's what we need to start <laughs> that's Maybe that's what I should have done. Um, but I, I, I find them... Where I really struggle with them is... So I'm not good at accents, and I'm not saying that flippantly, but that makes me good because I fucking work my arse off. Yeah, out. but the thing is... No, they're not... They don't come... As Natural, naturally, I can't, I can't, like, but I, you work your yeah. ass off, and also <clears throat> I've known you throughout various jobs. Right. You stay in the yeah. accent, even if we're going out to dinner yeah, in the I evening. I mean, I know after a couple of these, <clears throat> a couple of drinks, it comes out. But you won't be in character, but you'll stay the accent. accent. Yeah, um, but I can't do limericks. People who can just do Australian, Australian accent or fucking Irish accent in jokes, I can't do that. So I, I hate when. You got a phone call. I remember I got one phone call saying, can you come in tomorrow and do a North uh, uh, Newfoundland accent? Which is that mad place off like, uh, the side of Canada. Yeah. And I looked up and it's like part Irish, part Canadian. I mean, that takes studying. And the problem with that is then you're not going into that audition worrying about the, act, uh, the acting. You're worrying about the accent. Of course you are. So you're just going in there with, with like different priorities. Whereas you could just go, 
if they give you time to prepare, go right, come in in a week in a Yorkshire accent, fine, you've got given the time and you need to be in that time, demonstrate that you can pull off that accent. Yeah. But if it's within one or two days, you're not seeing that person act. You're seeing them try to hold this thing together. And then that really, and especially being Scottish, I mean, I'm, I'm in a very lucky point right now where I'm doing something in um, uh, a Dundee accent, which is a bit different. Maybe not Dundee, maybe South East Coast, which is a bit different. And then the next thing I'm doing is in my actual own accent. So that's lovely, but very rarely do I get to do that. So you kind of, as a probably a Scottish actor, or, and I hate this thing. I remember somebody saying to me going, well, we're talking about a point, and it was somebody from the south, of course, that said to me, somebody from the London area, where I was talking about the the pronunciation of a certain word in an accent, and I said, well, it's like this, and I said, no, you think that because you've got an accent. And I went to go, we've all got fucking accent. Your accent isn't the default accent, the yeah. default voice, and then we're all just regions around you. That annoys me. But being Scottish, you've probably got to have sort of a South London, you've got to have a, like a London... Maybe not RP anymore, which is probably good. That's kind of dropped out, unless it's for a specific job and an American accent in your locker. And otherwise, you're really going to struggle with the auditions. Are you good at letting things go after auditions? I've got better, but <laughs> that's, I mean, one of my favourite... I mean, all, most actors, one of their favourite things is going to the cinema, because it's, and I love going by myself and quiet stuff, but it's just fucking walls of your rejection. And it? it's just billboards of fucking things you didn't get. Yeah. Um, and you can be constantly reminded of it. But I, I have got better. Ah, but sometimes you see things and you go, thank God. Thank God. God. Aye. And the amount of times as well you've went, that would have been a game changer. And then you watch it and go, nah, it's, it's not. It's only a couple of times where I've really, I've lost a couple of things. And maybe, and where I thought I was getting close to it and I went, oh, that would have been special. I, I feel it easier to, if I've given it everything and they've gave me the best chance to do everything. I feel I actually feel it easier to let go then, bizarrely. Like, even if I've got close to it, but I've done everything I could, I can let it go. If I've made an arse of it, um, then that that's things. Well, that's difficult because you know then that the lasting impression that you leave in the room is that you've kind of fucked it. Yeah. And on, it's, it's your fault. Yeah. And that's our, that is our fault. Oh, absolutely, Because yeah. whatever happened, we weren't prepared enough for, I'd sooner not, you know, you're like me, I'd sooner not go in yeah. if, you, I'm yeah, not, if I'm not going to do it to the best of my yeah. ability. Yeah, and it's sometimes I want to go as well, because like, you don't get the time, I just want to go, come, just the way we do when we actually do a job, you go, you have a, you have a, you have a, just a run through the lines, just have a, let's have a read in the lines and just see it. I'd love to go in and just do that and then you go, right, I've said it once because the first time you're just going, fuck, just remember this. You know what I mean? And you're not worried so much about the acting because you just want to get through it. Whereas if you could just say it and then go, right, now I'm going to let fly and just go for it. And then you've got this flip kind of thing where maybe the American system would work better because, say it's especially something quite emotional. Yeah. It's mad when you come into your room and go, right, Martin, how's it going? Da 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 da. Lovely to see you. I loved you in that. But oh, do you remember you met a thingy? Laugh, laugh, laugh. Go. Yeah. That's hard, and you go, fuck. Whereas when you were coming in the door, you were good to go. But I've not got to that level where I feel probably confident enough to say, I'm, I'm still that, I've got a thing to say nowhere. I could just walk in and go, can we just get on with this? I'm still going to be the guy who goes, yeah, let's have a chat. And I've sure. no. But there's another. I know one actor who did this thing in um, America and we were kind of doing the rounds at the same thing. And I was in after him something. I was saying, and I was like, I was kind of struggling and stuff. And he said, he does this thing. He walks in 
And he said, I walked in. He said, it works sometimes and it works doesn't. So they start talking. He went, well, nope. I'm going to walk to the back of the room and I'm going to get ready. And when I put my hand up, I'm ready. I know. And I was like, that's a bold move. Ballsy move. And, and then, also could be a dick move Yeah, as very well. dick move. Very dick move. I went in after them and they were like, oh my God, we love them. You just can't control them. We love that energy. And I'm like, it's, that's a fucking, no, it's a bad thing, but it's, sometimes they love, I've heard, no, many, some, I've had a couple of directors speak about some actors and go, we just love them. We can't fucking tame them. And I'm like, so acting like a dick on set gets you ahead or acting like a dick in auditions. No. I mean, I personally, I don't think so because you're trying to take on somebody else's personality. If it's not yeah. in you, yeah. then it, right. No, if no, you I'm, are, not, if I'm you're, not saying it works no, for me. No, I know you're not. Yeah. But if that specific person, it sounds quite tricksy yeah. to me. It doesn't sound like but that what person I, what, is The a only dick. thing I got out of what I was saying is, was them being confident to take control in the room, going, this is my moment sort of thing. Yeah. I, I understood that. And it was like, when I'm ready, we'll go rather than you being coming in told sit on stand on that spot speak or when we're ready and had our chat with you go and it's it's because i said to i mean and again i say because i think all these kind of things come out it's more than negative experience and i've been far more positive rooms than i've been negative you know it's because there is i mean i've been in one thing i was down the last two for ages and i was in the director's house for like three hours and we just kept doing it and doing it and having a cup of teas and it was like when i remember i didn't get it, it was like i could not have asked for any more out of that. Yeah. They gave me all the time in the world to try different things. And then you appreciate, you can walk away going, yeah, best of luck. Or like, I'm looking forward to seeing it. There's nothing more else I could have done no, there. No, aye. So it's it's that. But then I think you can get the other time. I mean, I can see with some of these. But you go into these American ones and there's a big sign on the door, do not shake hands. Really? Yeah. But, but then somebody, you think, they must see like 100 fucking people a day. I know, but there's a big pot of hand sanitizer Yeah, absolutely. There. But it. that's their thing. Don't shake hands. Don't sort of cross the line. Oh, it's fine. It's not it isn't it? And I think, obviously, maybe the the self tape thing has taken out sort of the personal element a, a bit with it, where you meet people, which is good, but also it gives you a chance to get what you want across. That's true, yeah. and I agree with that most of the time. Yeah. But the one reason I really like auditions is because it's a two way thing. Yeah, it's like if I'm going to be working with someone for three or four months. Yeah. I don't just want to turn up on set yeah. because what if they're the dick? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what if? But then at the same time, man, how many, how many, very rarely we're going to turn down a job because the director's a dick. We kind of grin and bear and go on with it going. I don't know. I've done it a couple of times. Yeah. Because just, uh, well, they're not going to be able to get the best out of me. Yeah. And I don't want to get upset and I just, I, it's yeah. not conducive to the way I work. I no, just get, I, no, just, I, know. I just go home every night and just. No, you're miserable. Be I know. Really I mean, I've on jobs. Well, I was one director. I'll try and stay gender neutral to protect their identity. They were definitely bipolar, I think, and they were on the camera quite a lot and would just walk off the camera in the middle of a take, not call cut, just walk away. So nobody knew if we were cut or, or nothing. Wow. I know, it was it was bizarre. And we all came at the point that he must have been on the spectrum. Oh, fuck, say that. So there was the gender neutral, but he, um, no, he must have been on the spectrum because... It was just so rude to people. So rude. Um, How do you deal with that on the floor if, if certain people are rude to other people? They, what I've do got, you call it out? Or do you, maybe I, not when I was younger. Because no, but do you think you've got now, to a point now where you would call oh, it out? Oh, yeah, no, definitely. Especially if I'm on something and you... Because I'm always usually high up. Well, just me being me, I wouldn't take shit personally anyway. 
No, yeah. of course no, you wouldn't. But, I know that. But, but what yeah. if, if you're if, if you're in a scene it. and you see somebody be downright rude and out of order oh, to yeah, somebody no. who's within the scene that yeah. you're in, so it directly affects yeah. you. But you no, absolutely it out. no. But I feel. Yeah, but then, there is still times as well that I've been on a couple of things. But again, maybe again, because I'm going back there, that would have been negative. But I feel more confident now to call out. Definitely feel more confident now because it's not always just actors and directors. There can be crew members that are. That's yeah. Um, more, that's, more, that's I don't more like. I, was I, I can't stand kind of bullying on set, and it's, it's you usually feel that because what I hate about it is it's the proper bullies are always usually really clever about it. They don't do it to you. They'll do it to a runner or something else. Yeah. And I can't stand that. No. And that stuff, because I can't, because that stuff will spread throughout the set very quickly. And then it becomes miserable for everybody. Sure. Um, so I think I've got um, to a stage now where I feel comfortable going to the higher ups and saying like, yeah, this, I'm not standing for this. This won't wash. Yeah. 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 I'm quite right. You should. Yeah. Were your mum and dad always supportive of you? Eh, oh, aye. they've always been supportive of me, but um, did they ever pull you aside and go, I'm maybe on. just scared in that I was going into a world where they had no control, sort of thing. They didn't, they didn't know much about it. And I remember, Jesus, my first, I my first, it was kind of this was a mad point as well, where I kind of knew that I, I thought this wasn't for me. They set up a load of editions for me in London, like my, my would be agent. Because I wasn't sure, because I was still playing football at the time. So Sweet 16, I'd done Sweet 16, but I hadn't come out. And I was playing football. And We the, need to, we do need to highlight, though, why you stopped playing football. Because I just, I I don't want to be negative about these things, but I thought I knew what level I was. I wasn't going to get any higher than what I was. And I was like Scottish First Division. And it's, it's not a very stable career either. And I thought... I had something with the acting. Not maybe I didn't know where it would go, but I thought it was something I had to really so give a go. Something more you could build well, on I'd, football. I'd, I'd been to Cannes at that point. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and I'd saw the other side of it. <laughs> um, you been back? Uh, yeah, yeah, I've been back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoyed it too. <laughs> but my would-be agent at the time, so they were just saying, look, Ken stuff had set up somebody who they thought, who turned out to be a brilliant, she's no longer my agent, but she was like, a, she, she was brilliant for me, she was my agent for like 10 years, and um, so they'd like, we'll set up a load of auditions in London, just go down, and see how you feel, like guess, but it was like, I, I went down, flew down, it was the first time in London by, by myself, and I wore like, what I would wear to a night out, Greenock, so like shiny right. trousers, fucking shirt with cuffs and collar, and, Nice t-shirt with a logo. Uh, I oh, no, that came later. I was more confident. <laughs> <laughs> as good as gold, you know. And, uh, and like the fucking London eighties head, and and there wasn't Ubers and everything all that time. And fucking trying to get about London, finally wandering about these streets for these things. And I remember going to audition. It was for the Royal, and they gave me the wrong side, and I was like, "Oh, because I started the audition, they're like, no, 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 just the wrong thing. Like, I'm sorry." Coming out, and I went, I'm going out like I fucking flew down here. Like, you could have sent me this last night. Like that, that already was pissing me off. Like I've came all the way, and you couldn't even the courtesy send me the right stuff. And then the audition was a boy who was going out to the doctors to tell me he was suicidal. Right. And it was completely different to what I'd had. Yeah. And I remember being so angry, going like, like, and come back in ten minutes. And I'm looking at everybody else in the audition room with their khakis and their sandals on and. London boys and I was like and I felt out of place anyway and being angry that I had the wrong side 
And I just felt, nah, this isn't for me. I just don't like this. And I went in angry, did it. And the agent called and said, how are you? I went like, I don't want to do this. Like, I want to go home. This is miserable. They couldn't even give me the right signs. And, like, I just don't feel like this is for me. And she went, you got it. And I went, what do you mean? She's like, no, they, they want to offer you. And I was like, only out the door, like 10 fucking 15 minutes. And Sweet 16 wasn't out yet. So they didn't have a clue who I was. Right. And that was a big thing in my head. Now, don't get me wrong, I had about three auditions that day that I didn't get. But that was big for me. Like, it's all right, I've came down here. He's no clue. That director doesn't know who I am. And I've, and I've got this. That was like, all right. And then I had another job. And then you kind of go get another one and kind of go to it. And well, there's been some, there's been some times again, even in that, where um, I've thought this again. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> there was one night. I did, I did casualty, man, in Bristol. And, um, I was going along, so that was still quite young, and I was in my head. I was like, right, I'm going to be a bit method, and so I was, um, I was in, for, I was in for something. I think it was suicidal, and that as a part here in that as well. I can't remember what it was, but I was to get tasered or something. Like I got out of bed to fight somebody, somebody, somebody tasers me, but obviously the taser's not working. But I was like, yeah, mate, just give me a jab, will you? Like so, I've got something to react to, like a jab. But like not knowing that then we metal kind of points that the taser comes out so he's jabbing I went oh that's a puncture but then in my head I was like oh, I've committed to that I can't say no yeah. so I'm just getting jabbed and punctured all day and then I go to lunch now all the stuff I'd done up to that point was films or or like a TV on location so I'd never been in like a canteen so I got my mug up and a guy goes like where's your tokens I was like what tokens and he went well, you need your tokens like to pay for the food I'm like oh I've not got any and went, well you're not getting any food then so, and I was too scared to ask anybody. So I was sitting there, starving, no food. And I got back in, and then my dressing room, air quotes, good for a podcast to see, <laughs> was an overflow costume room. So right. Just a rail of uh, jackets on a coat and a couch. Yeah. And I was on one half of this tiny couch, and on the other half, was this old, older, older, older actor who was playing somebody who was just passing away. So this guy would think he's in his 70s or 80s. He's fell asleep on top of me. And they forgot I'm in. He fell asleep on top on, of on you? On top of me, because we're sharing this one couch in this tiny room. <laughs> and he's like drooling down my shoulder. And I'm fucking starving, stabbed to bits from this taser. <laughs> I was like, I just want to fucking go, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was like, what am I doing? I'm from Greenock. I could have been playing football or I could have been, fucking, I don't know. I was starting to be an accountant. I was like, what are you doing? But then there's flip sides. I met some lovely people on that job, some lovely actors who kind of like, so I was maybe a wee bit down and like I was struggling and they kind of took me under their wing and that ended up a great experience in the end. But it was just like that. There's, there's days where you're like, what the fuck am I doing? I still get that. You still get that now? Yeah, but in good ways and bad ways. Yeah. Like, you walk on set going, what am I doing? This is amazing. This is incredible. Like, I'm running about playing cops and robbers. This is the dream and get paid for it. And then there's other times like, why am I fucking standing in the middle of the night and bolting, fucking freezing my tits off? You know what I mean? And But again, that's the moments where you dig and go, you, you flip on it. Do you catch yourself on at that time and go, wait a minute, I'm being a moany... Aye, aye, of course you do. But it's just, I think... People, you have your down days. I don't think you need to. Look, nobody yeah. has consistently good no. days. Um, and I think the big, I think what gets me at times is, obviously, my wife being from from America and she's from Vegas, where where we now I say live, where we have a house. Well, I mean, this is what we're in August now. I haven't been there since April. Yeah. I won't get there till Christmas, and I'm back for two weeks, and then I leave till June. 
that can get to me a bit. Because um, you just miss your own bed. I miss. I mean, I wish I could explain to my fucking dog why I'm gone. You know what I mean? He's my wee best pal when I'm there. I walk him three days, uh, three times a day, and then I'm gone for eight months. Yeah. And obviously, I'm missing the wife and stuff. So I think that's where it can get to me more. Where it's not if I could if I could nip because everybody else. Because I'm very lucky with my work, and it's but it's all here, and I'm on a great run. Can he nip home to the wife at weekend? And does that? I mean, I love going home to Greenock and seeing the family and friends, but that's just cause for mischief. Sure, you know what I mean. I just end up out all the time. So there's at times where I end up probably just staying where I'm filming and just staying where I am by myself when everybody else goes home, and that can get me down at times. Does it get lonely? Yeah, yeah. But I think as well, I've lived on in hotels for so long, like you kind of get used to your own company, and that's why you need to be careful. I think when you come back from from work and job and then you're back and for lack of a better word into civilian life you've got to kind of be careful with that and, and not go and get sort of turn in on yourself you know um, but I've, I mean my wife's I mean you know my wife she's fucking amazing you yeah. know I think mean? she's a brilliant anchor for me and of course. she she knows your ups and your downs and she can judge my moods really well and so I it, it can be tough it can, it can be a lonely job and um, and you've got to be careful because at times, then the only thing you do when you're off is just go to the pub, you know, which I do enjoy. So, um, so but it's but that's it, what gets me at times is it, as long as I'm busy. See, if I'm away and I'm busy, I'd rather be on set because when I'm busy, like I'm, I don't bother with anything else but work. Of course, I'm just fully on my work. Don't go out, don't end, just work. But it's when you've got three, four days off at a time, and but you can't. That's not enough to get home. And they work. They kind of do control your life to yeah. that point. They won't let you go. Um, so that can be quite tough and but again I can say all this I love my job and I know how lucky I am to get done and get paid and we get paid well um maybe not as well as some people think but it's enough to have a no, really good living to have no, a decent everybody living. thinks you're millionaires but like no, you're far no, from no, it your mates remember what was my mate I had but one of my probably best pals but I think one, like, it was a random internet Mark Compton net worth 5 million quid <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah, it's like you've been out with me. You can't. <laughs> How the fuck have I got five million? I don't even own a fucking car. Has there ever got to a serious point, though? Maybe not in the last, or maybe in the last five to six years. I don't know. I don't want to be presumptuous. That you went, I could see myself doing something else. Maybe not something else, but I thought it was a time. There was one time I was coming back from an audition and. Sometimes I struggle with the American accent. It's not the sounds, but the Americans are just different. They just carry themselves a different way. And when you get into the whole psychology accents, it's fascinating, and it is because they don't apologise or ex- they don't say. When you go over there, they learn. Like I walk into a Starbucks and I go, "Sorry, excuse me, please." And the we one behind the counter goes, "What do you want?" So it's it's not them being rude by not saying it. That's just how they are. Say what the fuck you want, get it, and get out. Yeah, and that's fair play because to them it's not rude. Yeah. But to me, I, so I when I try that and I try and stay, oh fuck, I, I don't think I've told you this either. Um, I had a right bad experience with one of them, one of the super agents. Kind of one time I went over there like a place ago, and it just it went tits up, crashed crashed a car, I got the fuck out of LA. <laughs> um, but I went back and I went like, if I'm going to live here, because at that point everything was guided towards America. I'm like, I need to see another side of this place. So I went back for three months. I says. Don't call. Don't want any agents or any anybody to call me. I don't want any additions. I'm just going to live in an American accent. 
I'm going to volunteer in a homeless shelter. I'm going to coach kids soccer, and I'm going to. I was a receptionist at a free clinic. Right. And I just, I mean, and I lived in a house that had no TV or fucking radio. I was fucking oh, looking back, man. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, man? <laughs> and I was depressed out my head, but I had it in my, I had it in my head. I'm like, if you can do this, you can live here. You can see another side of it. So I was living as American for, for three months, and, and it was mad, like seeing all this whole other side to it and it, it can be fucking horrible as well because we were doing the Christmas um, sort of charity drive so basically you're in charge of a table and people maybe not, not even just quite homeless people people who are kind of got, um, who don't, are a bit light around the holidays they come and so everybody donates like food and toiletries and toys and stuff and yeah. everybody comes you get thing and you go by and I was in charge of the toys and we're two streets away from the Kodak Theatre where the Oscars are which is the fucking the most glamorous night in the world where the most money in the world is and two streets away are all these people who can't even don't even have enough money to fucking give their toy, their kids toys for Christmas but I was in charge of the kids table <laughs> and these wee kids were coming back with disguises to give me our toys right so I mean obviously I'm laughing and giving them because <laughs> that's what you would have done do, yeah. <laughs> yeah but then I remember the guy pulling me aside and going like you can't do that because if they're getting another toy there's some kid at the back who's not getting a toy yeah. and I remember that really stuck with me but what I found was with the accent was it wasn't the sounds that give you the way it's just how I acted just me being again apologising thing for excuse me it's, it's how you carry yourself so that that was a fascinating thing for me and it's something that I still struggle with if I'm doing American I need to be in it for a couple of days to give a good good addition of myself yeah I, when I knew that we were going to do this <clears throat> I was thinking about how we would end it and I never think, I always think about, apart from very specific episodes, mm-hmm. such as not long ago with um, Nile Rogers, mm-hmm. I always think about the start. Yeah. And I sometimes try and think about the end, because the, the middle hopefully looks after itself, which it has done. It's getting very deep on me. <laughs> but um, do you know in, in The Big Issue? Yeah. They do, they do a piece, and it's, I think it's called... Forgive me if I'm quoting this wrong. I think it's called a letter. Let's call it a letter to my 16-year-old self. Yeah. And I was thinking about you and 16 yeah. is such irrelevant. Yeah. Is the what is there something, not a letter, yeah. but maybe one thing that you would say to your 16-year-old self where you are now? Take oh. growth hormones. <laughs> <laughs> Try and get me that, otherwise I'd have shot at Bond. <laughs> <laughs> Martin. I'm so thrilled that we had this for episode 100. Yeah. <laughs> Loads of love, man. Thanks love so you, much. Man. Enjoy it. Yeah, right, will we get pushed? Ah! <laughs> <laughs>
of the Two Shot Podcast. Take care. Lots of love. The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers. Cheers.